I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, Tony, baby, you're a mess. Uh? Thank Grimes, it's Tuesday. It's time for Trend Lightly. Are you ready? The trending news podcast for anyone who is literally not an absolute virgin. <laughs> extremely online, extremely clueless, horny for Bitcoin. Oh, baby. You're in the right place. Now it's time to meet your host, the Irish-American Tornado, and the real Princess of Wales. We are back. Molly McAleer and Tiffany Maddox. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Trend Lightly. Molly and Tiff here. We have just sat down with Caroline Calloway. How do you feel, Mols? I feel like I just spoke to Caroline Calloway. I feel a little nervous because, you know, I don't, People's reactions to Caroline are so varied, and I think that we did a good job holding her accountable for some things, but I also know that in even associating with Caroline Calloway whatsoever, you are possibly going to get attacked for any small thing you did. This is a a subject where so many people have small details that, or maybe large details that just sort of didn't hit our radar. And that is, that's something that it almost made me not want to do the interview at first. I, mm-hmm. I had been asked by a friend of mine to like, please go get Caroline Calloway. And I said, I'm not really sure that that's like the energy I want to bring into my life. Not just because Caroline is somewhat known for being unpredictable and can also give really rambly answers that are sort of non-answers. And 
I didn't know if that the style of in which she speaks itself would have me slip up, maybe disassociate a little bit while she was speaking. But I think that we did a good a good job of making her feel comfortable enough to answer some lingering questions that people have had for a long time. And she offered to come back and do a Mythbusters episode with us. So in making her comfortable, I think we like established enough of a rapport that she will feel free to, she was more free to be honest, I think with us. I think so. Like, I think, yeah, I had very similar reservations when this kind of first came to the table and and I felt like no matter what we did I think because people have such a people who have a history with Caroline have quite a long-standing history with her that can go into quite a lot of depth I don't have that personally I know what the headlines are I know why some people are mad I know where the kind of the peaks and the troughs and the valleys happen in her story but I don't have a kind of a really deep not niche knowledge. And I would say even among Caroline Stans, there will be things and subjects and moments that will be of personal interest to individuals. And we would never be able to satisfy everyone in a short tr- trending news podcast. And I so like my approach, I think this is probably true of you too, which was like, we will treat her like a human being. We will treat her with fairness and compassion and we will just have a conversation with her. And that's kind of the best that we can do and it and it's not going to satisfy everybody and that's fine. Yeah, I'm just not in in the habit of giving people a, a hard time even Mm-mm. if no matter who they are and I think that that's true of most people in real life is there's a lot of talk of uh, about her online but then when it came to the Vice documentary there was very few people that actually were willing to speak to her if it was going to be recorded. And one thing I meant to ask her is if anyone has ever come up to to her in real life and said any of the stuff that they say online, because people tend to just not be bold like that. And so that, you know, you know, sorry, like I do, I, I, I guess I, no, I don't apologize for it. I'm sorry that I can't, no, I'm just not, I'm not going to be mean to someone. I'm not, I'm not going to be unnecessarily mean, critical, like. That's just not who I am. And it's not because I don't want people to be that way with me. It's because I feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable treating people poorly. And sometimes I think I have a hard time taking people to task. And Mm -hmm. maybe that makes me a weak person, but it's also why I'm not a journalist and would never claim to be. I talk about trending news stories and Lifetime movies. Mm which is pretty mild. It's pretty low stakes. (laughs) And I think, I mean, she is exactly as she portrays herself on the internet, right? Which is a little bit scatty. She is kind of funny. She's a little self-aware. She's also a little not self-aware at times. She's she's very, very personable and very, very likable. And I think it would be very dishonest to sit on a call with someone who I think, my impression of Caroline is that despite the fact that the things that she does online are often a lightning rod for for people's vitriol that I think she really wants to be liked and and I can see that and I and I I liked her I liked her I liked having a conversation with her I found her to be really open with us which I was really appreciative of and 
just on a like a human to human level you know she wasn't this like demonic entity she was just like a kind of slightly scatterbrained girl yeah and one thing i want to also be clear about because this was like a boundary that I said to Tiffany, and obviously Tiffany can do what she wants, but I said, like, we're not going to be friends with her. Like, this is not the beginning of a new relationship. Mm -hmm. I, you know, she mentions sycophants a little bit in this, and that is just something I'm so not interested in. I'm not, you know, I'm fucking 39 years old. How Am I 38 or 39? (laughs) I don't know. But that said, I'm not particularly interested in have bringing chaos into my life and so for that reason mainly you know we knew this was going to be an interview we knew we were going to be fair and not like call out culture type people and yeah like don't before you get ahead of yourselves don't worry there's no plans for a girls weekend mm-hmm yeah you know but I but yeah but we wanted to be kind and we wanted to be fair and I think like in doing that we're quite disarming and got some and got some answers to some questions that I think a lot of people have wondered about for quite a while so Yale plates teapot Mm -hmm. I mean we've got you we do we do and also we are going to be doing as we said a Mythbusters episode so I'm saying this in the intro just in case you don't make it too far if you have a piece of Caroline lore or a question that you've always wondered about and you're kind when you write it to us because we don't we're not going to like take verbal abuse on our front door like that's not really what we do. We will absolutely include that in the Mythbusters episode which God knows when we'll be able to nail down a time again to speak to her, but I I think that that will be fun and an opportunity for you guys to answers uh gets answers to some of the questions that have been lingering in your mind for a long time yeah absolutely okay well enjoy the episode and if you're watching this on patreon this might be your first time seeing us aren't we pretty so pretty yeah we're so cute okay (laughs) thanks so much we appreciate you and enjoy the interview bye but yeah thank you guys so much for having me caroline this is the thrill of a lifetime for me I just want everyone to know that before we started, Caroline asked me if my name is Merlin because that is the name I use on my uh, this account that we we use. And I loved it for even a brief moment. You thought my name was Merlin. <laughs> Listen. And- <laughs> First of all, I'm a dumb bitch. Okay, let's not mm-hmm. get it twisted. I'm a dumb fucking bitch. Second of all, I was like less intrigued that your name might be Merlin, which is incredibly intriguing, but more that Molly MacLear might be like, you made up a first and last name for your internet, like persona. And like, that is just, well, that's just my legal name. That's, I usually go by just Molly. Yeah, that's your legal name. And I'm a dumb bitch. I'm glad we got that cleared up right off the bat. Now, Caroline, you and I do have a, a, a little bit of an internet history because I was the first person who responded to your first ass shot on Twitter. And I believe I said, Caroline, I think you should consider taking this down because I was worried that you did not know what you were getting into with the ramifications of sex work. So we, you said, no, Molly. So we have, we do have a brief history and I've, yes, I've, I've defended you a lot. So if you search your name, you probably are familiar with me. Thank you. I'm very pro-sex work for others and for myself. And, you know, 
I never would have been able to pay back publishers that $100,000 that I owed them had I not joined OnlyFans. So I'm very grateful to Twitter's nudity policies. And, you know, I stand, I stand by that. I would maybe only, if I could say it again, I would only change it to say no comma Merlin, period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So we're going to talk about your book, Scammer, that has finally come out. Hi. There's been a lot of people who I think are surprised because there's yeah. <laughs> quite, a, quite a few people on the internet who have been preying on your downfall, so to speak. Yeah. And so I, I am really proud of you for getting it out in any form that you did. I think the Italian marble paper, et cetera, has been very ambitious, but a lot of people get caught up in the details. You know what I mean? So yeah. good for you, Caroline, on getting the book out there. And congratulations on the glowing reviews. There was like a uh, 70... Oh, go ahead. I, no, I, I know. I was just saying... I know, crazy. But what were you going to say? There was a 72 page? Is that what you were No, there was a 72 hour period where oh. people on Reddit were doing a blackout because of, I don't know, them stopping like some sort of API thing or whatever. Like basically just people being like, I want to Reddit harder. And I thought it was kind of amazing that like the most glowing review, the one from Rolling Stone came out during that 72 hour period. And I was just like, oh, they are so mad right now. I know there's people like frothing at the mouth because they can't and get on there and talk about it. it. You know, I actually, I thought, I really liked the Washington Post review, which called it a masterpiece. I thought that was, I know Rolling Stone did do the Taylor Swift comparison, which you know, I loved, you know, I was just absolutely just freaking out over that. But I really loved the Washington Post one and, and British Vogue. But those are just my personal favorites. Oh, and I'm a Swifty too. Okay. Oh, amazing. Yeah. We, I forced about, Tiffany to talk about it every week. She does. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany's like, yes. Long suffering <laughs> co pilot. The Tiffany. things you do for the ones you love, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to clear some things up. I feel like this is the perfect place to do it. And I want to start by saying that in my legal document, I did. I did ghostwrite it. And what's crazy is that I was actually working at Reddit will be shocked to know. They, I know they think that I've like never had a job and that I'm totally useless. But over the summer after my grandma died, I had been basically I had been being her nurse for like basically like she had money set aside for her elder care. And I was saving the family money by like taking half the days of the week and then they paid me half of what they would pay an actual nurse. So like we'd save money. I get to spend time with my grandma. Everybody wins. But after she died, I didn't have a source of income. So I got a little nine to five at a gallery here in town just to like pay for groceries because I was really sad about her death. She had been like a parent to me and obviously I'm the only child. My dad's gone. My stepdad was also about to die from cancer, and I just didn't feel like writing. I was just really sad, but I needed money. And so I got a job at a gallery, and I really don't believe for the record that my landlords ever owed me money for the garden. I really feel like people saw that and thought that I definitely, like, believed my case and, like, stood for, like... I stand behind the rights to the garden and like I owe this money. I honestly, it was just the advice of my lawyer 
who I was like, listen, I'm not going to have the book ready until like next spring. I can't start doing payments on like a on $40,000. Like I want to give them this money. Like what should we do? And he's like, they're not going to settle with you. They're really pissed about those photos that Rachel Rabbit White posted of the apartment, even though my agreement with Rachel Rabbit White, since she didn't have anyone who would be her guarantor and she obviously is married to an ex-felon and it was just a lot of trouble she couldn't rent in the city and I was like listen you can sublet from me just clean the place up after I have my two weeks of parties and I didn't realize that she would post dirty photos of like the aftermath from the parties for clout I thought that was like a violation of Natalie's size proportions like why would you why would you do that to someone I don't know for me it's a girl thing I'd keep that between us like I was like I didn't realize like our our agreement had to be like okay I won't ask for a guarantor or like any sort of like security deposit or like down payment you just handle the cleaning fees and like make my life easier so that I can party and then just go to Florida and we'll call it even and then just get in rent on time and like I'll be cool with it and I didn't realize that I had to be like and also don't embarrass me online by posting photos of the party but, you know, karma's a bitch. Like, in the end, it, like, shot Rachel in the foot, too. Like, then she had to, like, leave New York and didn't have a, like, because she literally couldn't rent anywhere because no one else would rent to her. And, like, she had fucked that situation up. So, like, it all comes back around. And, like, you know, I'm sort of glad that I don't have to be chasing down Rachel Rabbit White. Like, what if she stopped paying rent on time? And, like, I was, like, and then I already had my own debt to deal with. Like, you know what? In a way, it was cleaner and all for the best. But... What I was going to say is that I was working at this gallery and my lawyer was like, if you're not ready to pay, what we have to do is countersue because that will buy us like six months of time just in like the legal, the legalese of it all. And so we put together, he was like, write a letter about what you did for the garden. And I was working at my job at the gallery. I just like didn't have, I wasn't ready to write, write a book yet, but I missed writing so much and I obviously wasn't on Instagram. So I wrote this letter that was just in the classic Caroline Calloway style and he inserted the word chattel, which for the record I would never use ever in my life. I don't even know what it means, honey. I I think it means (laughs) property, but I could be wrong. But yeah, and it was really... It was so fun to me that even when I wasn't on Instagram and my posts weren't getting likes and my profile wasn't getting views, that I could, like, still write my, like, flowery turquoise Caroline Calloway prose and bury it in, like, the depths of the New York City housing courts. And still, the internet would find it and it would sort of, like, naturally be buoyant and, like, rise to the top of of the algorithm. I just that, – that made me so – happy when I was working at my little gallery. It Anyways, had your blueprints all over it. It had your blueprints all over it. Like, I know. We, I just, <laughs> it was so was really great. Easy. It, like, it, it, it sounded, which I think is why we wanted to do the, and the, the, the dramatic reading was kind of a gift mm-hmm. to Molls a little bit I because it was just, we were kind of talking <laughs> about it on the show. And then I said, what if I did this? And then I put some music behind it and it was like a little sleep, like, wouldn't that be kind of funny? Cause it was just so, it was unlike any legal document I'd ever read before Caroline, would that surprise you? And no. it kind of had to be done. It did. It had to be done. Also, do you, do you guys yeah. want to see something? What? It's a cat and a hat. 
Yeah, I do want to see it. And that's what actually we have to talk about this. Look, oh, oh, and by the way, so you can hear how much he loves his little hats. Look at him purring. Oh, that's so lovely. Can you hear him? I can oh, hear him. I have a cat of my own who's doing God knows what right now, but she's a loud purrer. So he real loves quick. his hat so much that if I pretend, look, if I pretend I'm tying the knot, look how he puts his head up so that I can do it. Isn't that amazing? He's very helpful. Okay, so Caroline, first and foremost, yes. we just we just learned a lot about you. Yes. I want to first and foremost say, and I really wanted to open with this, but I think I got so excited to talk to you. I just started going for it. But I wanted to say first and foremost, I'm really sorry for the loss of your grandmother. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think that you've been through a lot. I feel like you've experienced a lot of trauma in rapid succession. Especially yeah. with, you know, the loss of your father after on the heels of the Natalie essay. That was something that and and honestly, there was stuff that happened with like people chasing down your father's brother and like uh, all sorts of stuff, like this conspiracy theory that your father had in past. And I felt that that was so violating after you'd already been violated. And I feel like that's kind of a theme in a lot of my questions because I have never really quite seen someone treated like that. And I, just because someone revealed some kind of, in my opinion, nasty things about you in an article didn't mean that people had carte blanche to violate your life at all. Yeah. So I'm really sorry about everything that's happened with just Thanks. your personal losses, person to person. That's really kind of you. Thank you, Merlin. That's so sweet of you. You're welcome. <laughs> no, aside. Thank you so much. Of course. And okay, I really quickly, I want to ask you why a gallery and not like TJ Maxx or something fun like that? Well, I have an art history degree. So I just think it was a better, it was like a, in a strange, whereas like I've never worked in retail. And also I just liked art and I just thought it was like a, I was just more qualified and it wasn't even that. It was just like, you know, I want to work in a gallery and I don't want to work at TJ Maxx is kind of what it came down to. And that's just where we're really different because I would leave everything behind to work at Home Goods tomorrow. But okay, that makes sense. I have a quick okay. question, a quick follow-up question. Yeah. When you were working at the gallery, mm -hmm. presumably you weren't posting a lot on social. Like you were maybe in a bit of a black hole there, just kind of dealing with a lot. Was there a part of you that was like, maybe this is it? Like maybe I stop being Caroline Calloway on the internet for a bit and maybe I'm just Caroline Calloway at the gallery and, and I stop yeah, feeding yeah. the trolls. Yeah, you know, I – it was really – it was actually like really sad and strange because the my cameo in that movie Not Okay came out and they invited me to the New York premiere and Zoe Deutsch was doing a bunch of press for it. And in order to like maximize clicks, even a lot of interviews that she and the director, who are both so wonderful and so lovely, did like even if they didn't spend the whole interview talking about me, a lot of them would like put my name in the title just to, to be like, you know, Zoe Deutsch on blah, 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 blah. And like that Caroline Calloway cameo to just like really maximize driving traffic. And it was the day that movie came out, like my boss had like yelled at me or actually my boss's wife, but he, yeah, my boss's wife had yelled at me and I was just For like, what? they didn't like how I dressed. Ooh, okay. Or specifically, Tell me more. She, she didn't like how I dressed. 
She thought that I – she didn't like that I didn't own any – or I told her I didn't own any blazers, but I – that I wouldn't wear blazers in the Florida heat. And she was like, you're inside. You don't – but there was a lot of, like, lifting art and going outside and moving things in from the truck. And, like, I just, like, wore – short sleeves, tank tops, bun downs, but she thought that I should have a blazer. And she, yeah. That, that was happened a- in a Lifetime movie I recently watched for one of my podcasts. So I think that's I actually, very relatable. I, I actually stole the plot from that Lifetime movie. This I'm never sure happened. you did, I, I honey. Saw, I saw that same movie and this is actually what I'm describing. There is no gallery. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I know. I kind of am like, well, I don't question your choice to work at a gallery now that you mention your art history degree. Personally, I'm not someone who's really into using my degree. I kind of didn't even try in college and don't know how. I'm like the classic case of like a white girl who completely wasted her college education. I don't think I learned one thing there and that's okay. But yeah, I, I, uh, I, do you mind if I ask how much you were getting paid hourly at the gallery? $20. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it was it was fine and it was like all, all I needed was like money to live on, you know? Like I just needed like money for food. It wasn't I wasn't trying to pay back the 40 grand yet. But um to answer your question Tiffany about whether I ever thought like, "Oh, this is it. I'll just leave it all behind." I really did feel some type of way like what have I done with my life when that not okay cameo came out and I was just like getting yelled at by like the boss's wife for like not wearing a blazer and just having a shitty t- and I owed all this money to my landlords and I just and I was just so sad that I like didn't want to write like I just felt like I really appreciate what you said Molly about like just taking a moment to be like yeah you've really had like a tough time of it over the past few years because I really felt like for so long like the big blows were piling up like faster than I could m- emotionally metabolize them like you know there was the Adderall addiction and then there was the creativity workshops and then Natalie sold me out and then it was my dad's death and then it was the pandemic and then my mom had cancer and then she had to get that crazy surgery where they like and she got the stoma and they removed all her intestines and then she recovered from that and like then then my then my grandma died and it was just like ah it's just like I couldn't like I like in order to write I feel like you need to not be in a state of, like, grief. Like, you need to be, like, somewhat stable. And I just felt like I was – couldn't – I needed just time to, like, return to baseline, to, like, a a point where I could write. And, yeah, I felt really sad that day when the Not Okay movie came out and I was getting yelled at at this office job. And and I also just felt like, you know – I was also worried, like, you know, I knew if Reddit, as much as they always say, like, oh, she should get a job, she should get a job, I knew that if anyone ever found out that I was working there, that they'd have me fired in a heartbeat, that they'd just berate this small gallery with just, like, enough emails to just, like, make it easier to fire me than to, like, keep me on. And so I just felt really – I felt really hopeless. I didn't really think, like, oh, like, I'll stop being Caroline Calloway. I just felt – I guess overwhelmed and hopeless is a better word for it. But, you know, it's funny writing that letter for the lawyer. Actually, I did that probably like a week later or so. And that actually really cheered me up a lot because it really made me happy to see it go viral. I know I said this 
to some effect earlier, but like just the fact that like I could be off social media, I could be working this office job, I could like not even be trying to go viral and like my writing would still like still find its way to the top of the algorithm like so organically, like even when it's like against all odds and very buried, like that really reminded me that like although Natalie did such a good job of like making people believe that she ghost wrote or even co-wrote like my Cambridge captions, like every single word about my time at Cambridge that I posted on Instagram, I wrote alone without her, totally me. And like, that was the first time I started like getting real followers instead of those 40K fake followers. It was the first time that like I started getting real likes and real growth. And like, I just reminded me, it reminded me that like my pros that I, whether people love it or hate it, that they will pay attention to it, even when it's in a legal document, even when it's buried. And that that is a kind of magic that I have to offer the world. And that just gave me, it just sort of, I, I did feel hopeless and overwhelmed, mm-hmm. Tiffany. I never thought, oh, I'll give up, but I was just hopeless and overwhelmed. And then doing that legal letter actually really reminded me of, I don't know, it just gave me some confidence back and being like, yeah, you know what? I have. And dopamine too, right? Because here's the thing about the instantaneous nature of social media is that like, as you said, when you started collecting real followers and people started responding to what you're, what you're posting kind of, I think significantly alters your brain chemistry at that point to enjoy and sometimes be afraid of and sometimes anticipate what that feels like to put something out into the universe and have like instantaneous feedback or have like the world speak back to you and I wonder how much of that was missing when you were at the gallery and not doing that like did you feel kind of like oh well I you know I know exactly what you're talking about and I think it's so real I think you know there's a list of things that kept me from writing this book for so long and some of them were bigger than others But definitely on that list, like in top five, top 10 things would definitely be the fact that like there's no instant gratification for writing a book. Like you have to just be alone and for like days on end. So like I definitely do suffer from what you're talking about in other ways. But I think in terms of like missing the dopamine from Instagram, I think people often forget that like I've taken this wasn't like my first break from Instagram when I first got off of Adderall right before I came back with the creativity workshops. I took about 18 months off where I only posted on stories very occasionally sort of like exactly what I did over the past. Gosh, I didn't really do the math, but I think I took off. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. 
R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I think another 18 months. And I had been taking off by that part during the summer. I'd already been, I cleared my Instagram that past winter, right before my 30th birthday. So I know you're like Taylor and her reputation era, honey. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My reputation era has lasted so long. (laughs) But I'd already cleared my my Instagram and I had been without that instant gratification for nine months at that point. So it wasn't bothering me that much. But I do know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I, I see you and I hear you. And yes, I do suffer from it in other ways. Well, I mean, I think given that you are an addict as well is probably that's all part of the same thing, right? It's like we want that instantaneous, like push the button, feel a little bit better, whether that is like pouring a drink, taking a pill, posting a thing, like it's all part of the same. Those are just all solutions to the same problem, which is like a bit of a feeling of a void that needs to be filled. For sure. For sure. Not that I'm diagnosing you, but you know. We're going to get absolutely slammed if we don't acknowledge you know, that you've done some things online. The, I think you know, like famously, the anti-Semitism accusations. And I don't know what the hell that post was. I mean, I saw it. I just, don't, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking. I will also acknowledge that I don't know if there's a satisfactory answer you could possibly give to explain that away. So we're going to like acknowledge that that happened. But I like, truthfully, I don't think even the people who like, salivate over you the most really want to hear what you, you mean, what your you journey mean the turquoise was cartoon the turquoise yeah. cartoon where the rich guy had the hooked nose you know i yeah i mean i've only ever apologized once on the internet and it was you know i've apologized twice i apologized for the creativity workshops but i didn't mean it it was out of fear and it was really i just didn't mean it i was just really trying to get them to stop but like I really apologized. I I even did another piece with the, I think it's called like the Jewish Women's Center, Center for Jewish Women, something like that. And it's literally at this point four years ago. So it's somewhat hard to remember, but I genuinely, I, I genuinely am sorry. And I really think that as a child of Disney, I really, and even just JK Rowling and like the the hook-nosed goblins at Gringotts. Like, I I really think that I wasn't even aware of the degree to which anti-Semitic depictions of, like, evil witches with, like, that sort of nose. Like, I associated that with evil without even thinking about it, and I posted that cartoon. And I'm sorry. It was just – 
it was a dumb mistake and I meant it. But I will say the thing, people always say that I quote joked about dressing up as Anne Frank for my OnlyFans. And I would like to clear this up because I think that accusation is very unfair. Whereas the cartoon, I did it. I'm sorry. That's on me. I fucked up. I see what I did wrong. And I'm I've never done it again, and I apologized and meant it. With that joke, that joke that I made, I hate that fucking verb. What happened was the day that I announced my OnlyFans and that I'd be like – or maybe it was the week I announced my OnlyFans and that I'd be dressing up as famous females from literature, like famous literary heroines. I'd made a post where I'd like screenshotted my OnlyFans account and put it on my grid to obviously drive people to sign up so I could pay back the publishers. And everyone was commenting on it. It was obviously like a very wild thing for me to do. You were commenting on it. You were like, Caroline, don't do this. Like, I don't think you know what you're doing. And I was like, Merlin, I got this. But I, I, and by the way, I am pro sex work. I have a lot of friends who are sex workers and with that comes a huge price. And I just didn't know yes. if you were in. If I was ready to pay that, but I really. If you were scared or like about money or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, there's other ways, babe, you know, but I yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. But yes. And someone commented um, amongst the hundreds of comments on that post. Someone said, you should dress up as Anne Frank. And then they screenshotted that, like they screenshotted my post of the OnlyFans account and then posted that on their grid and tagged me in it. And you can see like the top three comments, which since they're screenshotting from their account, the top comment like that you see is your own comment, like Instagram prioritizes, like, you know, when you comment on someone's post and you look at that post, you see your own comment first. And so I didn't realize that the joke of that was that it was in one of the comments, like beneath that screenshot of my post. I thought this person was just like, lots of people were like posting about me joining OnlyFans. It was like pretty wild news. And I didn't realize that the reason they tagged me in this was to troll me with this comment that they had left. And so among the many OnlyFans buzzy things that I was reposting to my story, I reposted this post and that is where the whole thing of me joking that I and I as soon as I our mutual friend Alexis who I love actually was the one who like texted me and was like bitch you dumb dumb fucking bitch what are you doing and I was like I'm joining OnlyFans what do you mean and she's she literally to this day rightly so gives me so much shit about it because I should have I don't know on one hand like I should have read the very small print, but when you're getting to like a screenshot of a screenshot, I don't know. I I flip back and forth on it. Some days I really blame myself and I'm like, you should literally read the fine print. But there are other days where I'm like, I'll take the L for things that like I really did wrong, like posting that cartoon totally on me. I'm sorry. I mean, it will never happen again. But that I really think people twisted the situation to fit a narrative of me being evil. And I just don't, I'm just sick of it. It's just not, it's not That's kind of what I mean by the fact that like, I don't think you will ever give an answer that will, people who were hurt by that will accept. So it's almost one of those things where it's like, I don't, I don't want you to feel like you, I mean, listen, I, I'm the first, I agree with that. That's not good. But I also feel like you will you'll never be able to solve yeah, that whatever i'll that never problem I, I, people rational people can look at the situation for themselves and make up their own minds now this is what i am not so happy about carol okay tell me 
I watched the 60 Minutes Australia interview and yeah. what the hell is up with holding Matisse by his neck? You can't do that. That's they have little tiny muscles in there. It's so bad. Yeah, I am. I think he likes it. He purrs when I do it. You know that that can be an anxiety reaction too, though, right? Purring. Yeah, I have heard that, but like he also like does the slow blink. Like I, I know my cat, and I think he likes it. And you know, I've never let the internet's opinion on a cat they've never met affect how I love and care for my very best friend in the world who I'm with 24-7 and I'm just I'm not gonna start now okay fair so I watched your vice documentary I watched it actually with my boyfriend and I asked him the other day I was like do you remember that vice documentary about that girl and he was yes like he knew like right away and I was like (laughs) oh okay so you know I thought you took a really interesting approach there to try and engage with the snarkers and what what inspired you to take that approach was that something that vice approached you with or was that you saying like this could be cool well the the gallery was only a pop-up thing like it was only during the Sarasota's very much a like winter time sorry I'm re-gluing on a nail while we speak Sarasota is very much like a winter winter What's it called? That's a, it's like um, snowbirds, yeah. Snowbirds, yeah. It's very much a snowbird town. And so during the summer, there are like a lot of empty spaces that are like used during the winter, but not during the summer or that like artists or different people, anyone can get for like cheap retail prices go way down. So it was just a summer deal on like the, the rent for the gallery. So the gallery closed after the summer open for the summer, closed in the summer, and I needed another job. And I, so I wanted to start paying back my landlords. And so I was like, I need to start, I need to be making more than $20 an hour. Um, like I could just get a job at a different gallery and keep doing this, but like, I'm not accumulating any money. It's paycheck to paycheck. So I was like, I need to make more money, but I also want to start writing. So I want the maximum amount of money for like the least amount of hours worked. So obviously film and television was the way forward. And I pitched Vice and they gave me 10 grand to work for like four days, which was awesome. And they also gave my best friend in the world from Oxford 10 grand and they flew him out to Florida and paid for all of our meals. So like that was sort of the premise of why I did that. But why I did specifically with the Reddit is that I wanted... I wanted something, I needed a plot that wouldn't really get into like my day-to-day life in Florida. Like I didn't want to do like a welcome to my world here sort of thing. I wanted to keep that private. I didn't really want to do like a anything like exploring the past. Like I really just wanted to do something that was like about me, but that was ostensibly about like something else as much about something else as it could be. And I've also was like always really curious about the Reddit. I mean, like, it's really like, it's so, you know, I'm in such a better place now, but like there have been times in my life where like I really felt like that, that community would would be the death of me. Like it was was so bad, like especially like as you were saying, like when that whole conspiracy of like, them trying to convince not just other people that I was lying about my dad's death, but like it was so cr- 
it actually made me feel like I was losing my mind when they would send me DMs just being like, you know, how do you sleep at night? You're a liar. Your father's still alive. I just talked to him on the phone. And that was just like, I hadn't even, I hadn't even deleted his number from my phone yet. Like I felt crazy. Like I, I still sort of felt like I could still talk to him on the phone, you know, like I could have, I could have talked to him on the phone last week, but now I can't. Like, it's a crazy thing to wrap your head around. And like, yeah. And just the other stuff that they've done, just like everything from just being like, you know, I'm watching you sort of messages to like, they once, we don't have to get into it. They once did this prank trying to convince me that my college boyfriend had leukemia and was like dying. That really fucked me up. I'm like, anyways, I just really wanted the Reddit had really, I sometimes I really feel like they were just like killing. That's me. fucking crazy. Yeah, I just felt mm-hmm. like they were killing me. And I, I don't talk about it a lot. A lot. I think this is a great place to do it because I think this is a very internet-y place. Whereas, like when I go on like mainstream news, I'm not really like talking about the Reddit because I think that's like, like no one here on this podcast like doesn't already know about Reddit, you know. Like whereas, mm-hmm. like I don't want to bring awareness to like a demographic that wouldn't already know about it. But anyways, I was really curious about them, so I thought we could do this burner phone thing, and. Yeah, it was actually so helpful and I'm so glad that I did it because I really thought that like one of two things would happen. I thought either that there was a chance they might be like strangely sycophantic once they talked to me. Like I thought there was a chance. I didn't think yeah. likely, mm-hmm. but I thought maybe they might like try to suck up to me or just like be really effusive and sycophantic's a good word. And then but I thought what was more likely was that it would just be like undiluted vitriol like they just like want to like scream at me or rant at me or just like just make me feel like shit the way they do online and what happened was neither I spent three days calling these people I must have called in the vice documentary we had to edit out so much I mean like literally we had 21 minutes to like recap my life up till now do a brief little Florida segment and fit in the whole plot of this reddit cell phone and calling them but in reality we shot for we shot just reddit content of calling them for three days nonstop. I think I probably talked to about a hundred people a day and I would say 99 percent like I would say 298 or even 299 out of 300 people reacted the same way they just wanted to talk about themselves, which I was not expecting. They weren't angry at me. They weren't sycophantic. They literally just struck me as so lonely. And I oh word, I and, know, right? And it it helped me so much because at first when I was doing it, I was still like a little, you know, even in the weeks after, I was still a little bitter, and I was like these basement dwelling mouth breathers like I was still like I was sort of (laughs) I felt triumphant at how lonely they were but after I sort of with more distance and once the dust settled with my emotions from the whole thing and I sort of like now was starting with like even just one month later and constant until now I'm just so glad I did the vice thing because I just have so much more empathy for them because like I they make me feel so fucking alone and and just like an evil person that makes the world worse who sh- 
should just mm-hmm. be here. That like I just it's hard to it's hard to feel alone and it's hard to feel lonely and like life's already hard enough and like I wish they found community a different way than hating me, but like it gave me a lot more peace just thinking like, you know, if if hating me like helps them feel less alone then you know so be it like it's definitely not my first fucking choice but like at least I have a bit more clarity on the situation and a a lot more peace yeah I actually have a follow-up about that that I'll get to in a minute but I want to ask you first because it's just been gnawing at me yeah so it's my theory yeah so the one girl who called or called him was like Oh, I'm actually with my lawyer right now. Like, do you think that she's in prison and like read small bean snark on her tablet and was like with her lawyer? And like, he just was like, you can use my cell phone. Like, what do you mean she was with her lawyer? Like, what <laughs> no, was that? No, no, I would no. The, the, we, if Vice had so chosen to do so, they could have done a montage of people saying various things. Like, you know, I, I, my legal team, this and. You know, my, 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 my lawyer, this, my lawyer, that, like, there were a lot of people who just, a lot of Redditors seem to just have immense legal teams on retainer. (laughs) On retainer. All of them. It's, it's also a tough guy thing to say, right? So I think like the idea that, that people basically are bind together probably quickest and most, I would say in in a quite a fragile way, but very very quickly tend to bind together through finding a common common enemy. Yeah, and so like perhaps people who do not have a great deal of meaningful friendships and relationships outside of that probably don't have maybe the most developed social skills. Yeah. And so therefore, when you're when you come into contact with something like that, the first thing you do is say a thing that you think sounds big and scary, which is I have a legal team, and it's like. Do you? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the thing to say if you don't really know how to commune, like, totally effectively. I I 100% agree. Just yes. A big, big yes. (laughs) But I also, when I was reading the book, I found, and I've been mulling this over and I don't know how to pose it as a question, but there is a, at times, like, there's definitely a rawness, and I think, in the way that you communicate, and I think that there is a messiness to it. And I think at times you don't shy away from ugliness, like in the book, right? Yeah. Which is like, I'm going to tell you some some of the darkest bits of of myself as a human woman a little bit, and me being kind of a, a bit of a fuck up sometimes, or maybe not being the best friend, or having this particular quality. And I think, but it's kind of wrapped in a slightly whimsical, beautiful way. But I wonder if you're talking about your own, the darkest bits of your own selves is holding a bit of a mirror up to the audience and forcing them to look at that themselves in particular. I think there are certain, there are certain instances around I think the way that you talk about sex or the way that you talk about love or the way you talk about men and, and the way that kind of being pleasing to the male gaze. And like, these are all, I would say, things that many feminist women would feel very ashamed about and very ashamed about saying out loud. But it doesn't mean that the thoughts aren't there. And so I wonder if, if that's part of it. I wonder if that's part of the it is just that it's uncomfortable to be confronted with it. Tiffany, you are just out here with back-to-back bangers in terms of hot takes. Hot takes. <laughs> yeah. I have I've yet to disagree with a single like 
And you're like, maybe it's just this. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, it is, Tiffany. It's definitely that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I don't have more to add. But you literally like are just knocking it out of the park. Do you, Molly, what? She's the smart one. She like, you know, Tiffany holds us together. But also, I think it's worth mentioning that Tiffany was like a really OG YouTuber. No. And like had some serious, had some serious shit. Yeah. Like, you know, she had, um, before you could be Caroline Calloway and myself included, I was like a blogger for, I I don't think that I got it particularly bad when I was younger, but you know, Tiffany definitely, I think relates in some ways to some of the stuff you've gone through. Um, I think the YouTubers were the ones out there. Like you really, I, you, you, you walked so us inf- Instagram influencers could run. Like, thank you, thank you. They cha- they 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 ran me off the internet, and and I and I was thinking about this quite a bit. Is like, for me and my little when my little kind of when I was making YouTube videos, it's fifteen years ago, right? And so there weren't very many people watching, and so and it was all very benign. And it and I I really I recognized I recognize in you a optimism that I had within myself like quite a lot of the time and was okay with being really visible online until you know there were groups that were started about hating me and and all and and I and I was like what did I do you know I I never had a scandal and I just said well fuck this I'm out see you later peace yeah (laughs) you know not for me and so I'm like (laughs) yeah so I'm like like how do you how do you continue to do it? Because I, I Honestly, wake up crying. bro, I cannot tell you like how much that Reddit has made me want to kill myself over the years. So like, don't think yeah. about your not. Thriving. I'm not surprised. Like, I'm not surprised. It's truly, it's, and you know what's so crazy is that it's like, it's not even always, the things that have brought me like closest to the edge are like not even the like, that prank, that prank in quotes about leukemia or, you know, they ended up, triggering my uncle having a schizophrenic episode and he actually lost his job not because they found his job and like called it in but because he couldn't come to work for like over six weeks because he thought he was my dad because people kept telling him that and yeah and it was he had been there it was a really good job for him too it was a receptionist at a dentist in Fairfax and anyways the point is is like that stuff is really like concrete and when people when I talk to people about the Reddit, I often find myself gravitating to those really big moments just because I feel like it's the only ones that people will like have the appropriate empathy for. But the ones that like really get me honestly are just when I, when my own brain chemistry is doing whatever and it's just a random Tuesday and I'm just having a bad day and someone fucking sends me a screenshot where it's just like them like, I don't know, making fun of my nudes from OnlyFans or like talking about just like how I'm like have no friends and everyone hates me or how I'm just like so insufferable and like I don't have any fans and even if I write a book, no one will read it because the only people who care about me are on the Reddit. Like sometimes it'll just be like a comment like that or like that they feel their need to like you know, I have no proof that people who send those sort of things directly to my inbox, not just a screenshot, but like say it in a message, are burner accounts from the Reddit. But I I feel like I feel like if you have zero followers and zero posts and 
you're only following me and you're sending me like this, these sort of DMs, how could you not be part of the small bean Reddit snark? Like surely that that has to be like 99% of the time there has to be some overlap there. But yeah, it's just, it's so hard and it really bothered me for years and years and it was just the fucking worst. And I can't tell you how much it hurt me. And it really, it really took talking to like hundreds of them with the vice doc that really just like, it was, I still have my bad days with it. And I still think it's like kind of crazy that these sort of places exist, but like, I believe in freedom of speech and like, I don't want to censor anybody. And like, it just, it helped talking to so many of them and just, just hearing them like after you're on your like 75th phone call of the day and it's just someone trying to tell you about their lives and their lives do sound like I would never repeat what they told me but like they have their own problems and like they're going through stuff and like they have their own parent issues and health issues and yeah it just honestly it just helped humanize them and it just helped me realize that it's not about me it's about community and it's about loneliness I'd be interested to know what the analytics for that reddit look like pre and post like to see if the talking to people made an impact in any way do you know I do know that I actually ended up talking to someone oh god I'm gonna get I'm gonna get so roasted in these comments for not knowing the like correct reddit terminology but the president of the Reddit, the moderator, I think is actually the right word. The the yeah. moderator of the Reddit, I ended up talking to for a while, like an hour. And they actually like quit the next day and they deleted, they like nuked their whole account and they had to get a new moderator. So that's- Do you, do you still happen. speak to anybody? Was it, like, did you, did you form lasting bonds with anybody? No, you know, I really did like that moderator a lot. That was the one in the Vice documentary that I was like, mm-hmm. are we going to get married? Like that yeah. was that one. But the thing is they were all on the burner phone account. So in order to keep in touch with any of them, I'd have to like go back into the burner phone account. Cause it's not like they're all on my phone and like my personal text message or even my personal I think that's helped you. Yeah, it was a one-time thing. It was an experience and it was what it was and now it's over. So I know that you say like you're hurt by them saying that you, you know, have no friends or whatever, but, and I'm not going to say that directly because I don't, I don't know everything or everyone in your life, but I was very kind of defensive of you and very upset by those final weeks in New York where you were having people come through and then people would basically have no problem going online and being very transparent, disparaging you and and your living situation. And it reminded me of, do you know, of course, you know, the Marina Abramovich piece where she had a bunch of like weapons and all sorts of things on a table and you could come through and do whatever you wanted to her. Yeah, I actually am not familiar with that piece, but I get exactly the metaphor, the comparison that you just felt like I was opening myself up to people to hurt me. Yeah, well, it made me feel like you, yes, I think you were opening yourself up to for people to hurt you, but I also found it very troublesome that more people didn't come in and see what was going on there and say to themselves, hey, like, this feels like something I should not be at or I should not exploit. Like this isn't a tourist destination. I felt like people were treating your place like a tourist destination and 
they were willing to go sit, you know, at your tableau and like eat salads and then just get online and say things that would make me crumble as a person after opening up my space to them in a vulnerable way. For what it's and so yeah. For what it's worth, I I'm not sure how many if if there were any food at these parties, it was pizzas that other people ordered. There was I was not cooking dinner for any of these people. These were like raucous, raucous parties. Like there were lots of drugs, there was lots of wine. It was like a 10-day bender. And honestly, like my I stand by this. I think a good party should have your closest friends, some medium acquaintances, and a sprinkle of absolutely fucking random strangers. Like, I think that, I, and you can say that you think a party should just be, you know, your friends from childhood who you trust with your life. But I really think it adds a little, to, it adds a little spice to any party to just have some random fucking strangers. And, you know, it's funny how, like, people how you can feel so deeply about like a party that you or a series of parties over 10, 10 days, 10 parties that you weren't at. You're like, I really feel so bad about these parties. And you know, I, I just, I was there and like, I don't like I, the only people who went online and who said disparaging things were like the random strangers who I don't even know. And so like, that's obviously a liability that I was aware of going into like inviting strangers into my home and a consequence that I was aware of and very okay with because I think it made a better night and it sucked. I wish they hadn't done it, but like, you know, my real friends would never do that and they didn't do that. And in a strange way, I think that makes a really lopsided view of these parties because the only people like posting content about like I don't know what my floors look like are definitely going to be the random haters and they'll they can say you know like I don't even know Caroline and like I don't even know them like I'm they owe me they owe me nothing we had a good time they added spice to my parties like they everyone brought great gifts and great wines I, I had a great time and like I'm it sucks to have such a lopsided view of things emerge but I can live with it because I'd rather have a lopsided view of things emerge than have my actual close friends also be fucking talking about my floor online. Yeah, I mean, listen, I agree that, that all parties involve a good mix. But at the same time, I, I do think that one thing that should be present in all your guests is a sense of, well, I mean, I guess treating you with dignity. Like, I feel like that's one thing that just really bums me out is watching people not treat you with dignity um, or in ways that I consider to be inhumane. Because yeah, Caroline, like you have done some things that have really pissed people off. I I don't think that the whole thing starting from this fucking whatever you called it, what are the what are the creativity workshops? workshops? That I mean, that is not a fucking scam. Like it was a poorly <laughs> planned meeting. I know. It's a and I Hello Sister has entered the chat. Do you know what I mean? Like we've had bigger and badder scandals since. Bro, like, the fact that like Anna Delvey An sucking dick and cock at my birthday party. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, no, I I agree, but like the people who did not treat me with dignity, like you know, there were those parties were packed day after day for 10 days. And like to 
If you think about how many people came through my apartment, it must have been, oh, I don't know. If you average, like, say my apartment could have really only held like 20 people at a time, maybe 25. So people were coming and going. So let's just say conservatively, like 40 a night for 10 days, maybe a little less, let's say 30, just to like really be conservative, 30 a night for 10 days, that's 300 people, somewhere between 300 and 400 people. And what, four of them like went online to like talk shit about me. It's like, okay, 1%. I'll take that. Like that's, that's still like, I just having been there and just having seen the volume of people and the like raucous nature of these parties, I really think like all things considered like it, I don't know, it comes with the territory and like, I just had such a good time with my actual good friends. I just wouldn't change a thing. But I do hate that people sometimes just treat me like, like shit. That's never fun. Well, yeah, yeah, like you also are obviously very transparent about there being a history of mental illness in your family. And, you know, you've alluded to some of your own depression stuff. And I just, you know, I wonder if you ever feel that people, because there are a lot of people that other you, not just on the Reddit. And like, there's New York people, like there's people that have really other you. And I find it really disturbing because I feel like there have been some times where you have shown yourself being very not well. And I kind of don't understand why people can't back off when it's obvious that someone's not doing well and why continuing to engage and like bring you to these parties and put you on, you know, put you in sort of like spaces where a person who's dealing with some shit isn't going to thrive. I don't understand that moral lapse in some people. I really don't. And uh, yeah, it, it just makes me feel protective of you. I mean, I've like, you know, gotten into it with people on TikTok about it. I think there was like three days where I was like arguing with some people who this one woman who like claims she's old, she was like, I know who Caroline Calloway is, but I don't know what Gawker is because I worked at Gawker like way back in the day and I pulled some sort of like analogy from that. And she, I was like, well, what the fuck do you mean you know who Caroline Calloway is if you don't know who <laughs> Gawker is? Like, That's so funny. <laughs> but um, I just said like, I feel like you're making fun of someone who's like, going through a mentally ill period. And I don't think that that's cool. Like, I don't think there's anything she has ever done. I actually feel like your whole reaction to being called a scammer and leaning into the brand, to me, I just see someone who's panicking, who is panicking and sort of adopted that label. And out of like, you know, maybe a little bit of spite, maybe a little bit of irony, maybe, but mostly just defensiveness. And I wonder if you are ever going to sort of give that title up because I think that you, for the most part, don't really deserve it. Like there were, you know, the, yeah, there's some people who are still waiting on their dreamer BBs or whatever, but like- Which by the way, if I, that's you, please tweet me or slide into my DMs because I feel like I- And you've always said that. I feel like I've, if you're out there, just tell me and I'll fix it. <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah, I don't see it as being defensive, which is maybe a very defensive thing to say. I don't know. But honestly, I, I see it as like, I am never at like my more, I'm never more rational than when I'm doing PR. Like I'm even like less rational in my writing, even though I think my two greatest skills are PR and writing. Like I, I think I have a real 
knack for, as I've once said, playing the internet like a church organ. And I think using the title scammer, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like people often see other people's responses or like their actions as like they feel how they would feel in that situation. And like leaning into scammer might have been something that an idea to you that brings you a lot of panic. But for me, it just seems so fucking obvious as the rational thing to do. Like, look how Elizabeth Holmes, like she tried to do that New York Times thing where she's like, no, no, I'm not a scammer. I'm just a mommy. And like, everyone fucking lost their shit and hated it. Like, to me, like, I look at that and that makes me panic. Like, I'm like, that bitch must be crazy because that's a crazy choice. But like for doing scammer, it's like, okay, my SEO, like the search engine optimization already connects my name to the word scammer. So already by naming my book that I'm going to boost every article about the book in how the inner, how Google ranks those search responses connected to my name. On top of that, think about how good it is for the lore. Why in five years from now, why is Caroline Calloway a scammer? Oh, her first book was called Scammer. Boom. Perfect. So smart. So, so long-term good. And also just like <laughs> personally for me, like obviously that word was really painful for me and like was just like really hurt my fucking feelings. It feels so good to make something to use the very word that people use to tear me down to build myself back up every time I see a rave review scammer dazzling debut scammer a masterpiece I it, it just it really does something for my sense of self and my own resilience so like I I know you might see it as defensive but for me it's just like cool plain logic like of course I had to name my first book this it was the only thing it was the only it was the move that made the most sense like how would I ever do anything else it also mm. makes sense to me because I've noticed that sometimes I find that you say the thing that you're not supposed to say and you say it out loud yeah and I, I think that's part of my god I hate it when like girl bosses are like and that's my superpower but like <laughs> yeah like it's definitely it's definitely a tool I have going for me that you know I think I do that more subconsciously than I do that consciously but I'm aware of that being one of the things that people are really drawn to about my prose so like yeah that also works for scammer so um but do you have any questions I'm really curious about you say that you have been like a long time like that you have questions like per, you said before we started that, you, oh, that yeah. you have personal questions that you've wondered about what are these questions tell me I'm dying to know okay well I mean you know, a lot of this does come from the Natalie piece, yeah. which I was in New York when I read it with my friends and we, my friend and I went to meet up with another friend at a bar and I just said to my friend that I was meeting like, hey, I'm really sorry, but like, I'm not going to talk a lot right now. Like I actually might not even be zoned in on the conversation because I have to read this because like I was just, I mean, truthfully, Caroline, like I don't, I don't really care for Instagram, like the, you know, the connections with like Oxford and Harry Potter and stuff like that. Like we would never, I would, you would never have landed on my page if it wasn't for people making such a big stink about it. And the fact that Natalie was even able to pitch a story to the cut that got picked up about you and like, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm still mad at Natalie. I have more anger towards Natalie than you do probably. But uh, I have um, a question about the Yale place. Yes. 
Where'd they go? Okay. I am going to be honest with you. I mm-hmm. I think, and you know, I, the, the truth is I don't know, but I'll tell you my hypothesis. I, okay. I, when Natalie called me up the day my father's body was found and tried to get me to sign that Netflix deal where I get $15,000 and she would get 1 million. And if I didn't sign, she'd only get a hundred grand during that phone call. I, I was like, Hey, random question. Do you know where the Yale plates are? Because I don't know. And she was like, no, like and we, we spent a moment. It were, that phone call was really a very, she did a great job being my friend and making me laugh during that phone call and making me feel like, you know, that $15,000 and her forgiveness and her friendship would be a really valuable, beautiful thing for me to have. <laughs> and she she really, like, indulged me with trying to figure out where they went. And so we sort of retraced it. And she – I think something that she changed in her article – and I don't blame her for changing. This is, like, a small detail. I'm really, like – for people who, like – get mad at either me or Natalie or any memoirist for changing like a small detail that like is irrelevant to the story. Like, yeah, she she gave me those plates, not in New York, but in New Haven. She made it sound like she gave them to me. She said that she said that her her mom had found them on the street or something. And that that her mom had found them, but she, she made it sound like at least as by my recollection that she was talking about like being in my apartment and she said that her mom had found them at Yale because her mom works for Yale but she made it sound like she was talking about like being in my apartment and my apartment and she's like when when I gave Caroline like she cried and she also was very careful to say that I had never been to her house because or to bring up her house itself because she lives in this like gorgeous maybe mansion is too extreme a word but like she lives on this beautiful leafy boulevard where my house could fit the house, the hoarder house I grew up in could a house, a hoarder house and a half could have fit inside Natalie's house. Like I think, you know, my childhood home sold for only $400,000. Like it's, I think it was 435 to be exact, but like it, it was a small I mean, that's small, what's so funny. It's a small house. Yeah. But anyways, the point is we retraced our steps and she was like, I gave them to you when you were staying at my house because I went to stay at her house in New Haven several times because her house is so fucking nice and why wouldn't we get out of the city? And I loved Yale. It was and spent time with my best friend who I just thought the world of. And she I'm pretty sure she gave them to me there, which I had also one summer, the summer after my freshman year at NYU, I did like a writing course at Yale because I just wanted to like be at Yale and live in the pretty colleges because like that shit is is just one of the few things that really gets through to the depression for me. And so I was staying at Yale and I'm pretty sure that she gave me the plates. They were like for my birthday, but I'm pretty sure she just gave them to me over the summer as soon as her mom found them. And I I honestly think I just left them in the dorm room where I was staying. 
Because I think I was just like, when I packed up my stuff at the end of the summer, like packing up all my stuff in my suitcase, I think, you know, after years of boarding school and just even like common fucking sense, I think I just saw that because she wrote like fuck Yale on the back. So like from the top, they looked like normal dining hall plates. And like I had also brought plates from the dining hall, like back to my room just to eat off of like sneaking it out, like classic student shit. And yeah, and I think I just left them there by by total fucking accident. And then I I was just a bit of a of a panicky liar when I was in my early 20s. And when she asked me what happened to them, I like a dumb fucking 21-year-old. I said someone broke into my apartment and stole only those plates. Sure. Yeah. Um it's very Erica Jane, you know, <laughs> like absolutely. So, okay, my next yeah. question I have a theory about it, but I like your answer first, but I have, I'll tell you my okay. theory after. So you know that there's some Airbnb reviews that went, you know, viral amongst people who have no fucking lives. Uh-huh. And one of the things that came up was that there was a teapot full of urine left behind. Yes. And you know, as a woman... You know, as a person with a vagina, let me correct myself, I I know it would be very difficult for me to urinate into a teapot. There were some people on TikTok who argued with me that they do stuff like that all the time (laughs) and where I was like, okay, like you have, like that's your own confession. Like sure, I don't know, maybe Philip is available. I heard he's a pretty good therapist in New York. (laughs) But do you have an answer for the teapot? You know, I thought I was always going to save this for a story or like for a book someday because I know that people want to know. One of my other favorite theories that I heard was that people thought that I was using it for some sort of, not to kink shame anyone, but that they thought that I was using it for a urine play to like pour on. How fun. How, yeah. And I can just, I can confirm that it, it was not for urine play, nor did I myself pee into that teapot. I'm with you. I don't think I have the vaginal control to do that. But yeah, the real answer is, is that I went back that summer. That was probably, I think, the summer of 2019. It was the summer right before Natalie's piece, but after I'd gone viral for the creativity workshops. And I had a bunch of friends still there doing PhDs. Like this is like we graduated in 20. 20- 16 people go off do their masters 2019 is like if you graduated in 2016 this is like your this is peak everyone being or not everyone but it's it's only dwindled since then in terms of like how many friends I have in Cambridge but I still had a lot then and we had a really pretty raucous party we all went out to a pub in Grandchester we got absolutely trashed and I was staying at this Airbnb and we were watching, it was the summer Love Island was on and we had to make it back in time for eight. And one of my friends honestly wanted to hook up with one of my other friends and they, she had had a crush on him since we were undergrad and she hadn't even known that he was back doing a PhD and they had been hitting it off over dinner and people slowly, after Love Island, we stay around my Airbnb on the terrace drinking. It was like a big Airbnb with like lots of little no one had like ensuite bathrooms. It's like lots of doors with a bathroom down the hall and and a kitchen and a terrace and just sort of like a boarding house. It was a lovely place. And I actually, you can fact check this if, you, if anyone wants to track down the Airbnb owner. I sent them flowers because I was so sorry about this. Um, 
Yeah. So my friend our my friend is hooking up or ends up hooking up on the couch with the TV near the terrace. We go back to my room. My friend left her bag there and she didn't want to go out to the bathroom, which was down the hall and near there and disturb them. And she peed into a teapot and I knew she was doing it because we were dying laughing, but I just was really hung over the next day and forgot that we had done that. And she ended up spending the night in my room and just staying over, but it was just to not disturb our two friends who were hooking up on the couch who were, or our one friend finally it. having her moment with this guy. And so- my theory was that you'd gotten a little stranger, like maybe brought someone back because guys are gross and they pee into like random things. Yeah. Like, you know, I think people would be shocked to know how many guys have jars of piss around their house. <laughs> it's true, Tiffany. It's true. I, yeah, I, we don't have time to tell it, nor is it the venue. But like, yeah, there's been some pee discoveries um, in my life. But sorry, my friend who has a pussy of steel (laughs) pulled off that feet. And, um, you know, it was a great memory. And I will take her identity to the goddamn grave with me because I know that she does not need this in her life. But it was it was honestly, I was really embarrassed when those Airbnb reviews came out because honestly, I was just so embarrassed that I fucking didn't remember to like dispose of that or make my friend fucking dispose of it and I hated people like thinking that I was into urine play just because it's I mean you know me I'm an open book if I were I'd tell you like I you know I just felt very I just felt very embarrassed about the whole thing but that is the that's the truth it was just our friend was getting it in and we just didn't want to disturb her she was having her like Lizzie McGuire like long time crush moment and we both knew how much she really had always liked that guy and you know they ended up breaking up but they did end up dating for a few months after that because they were both in Cambridge I wish I could say the story and like and now we're going to their wedding next spring but no it's, I know. it didn't work out it didn't work out for them but we are good friends and we took one for the team even though I didn't do it because I might not be capable of it vaginally as I said I did fully support the idea and I was like yes this is what we should do and that young woman was Kate Middleton (laughs) 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 oh I would love that okay I don't if it makes you feel any better I do have a long and very good history with Airbnb but I get the same complaint every time. There's a hamburger I like to make when I'm in an Airbnb. I don't know like what it is, but I just need to have this hamburger when I'm in an Airbnb. And I don't leave like the kitchen a mess by any means, but I've been known to leave dishes in the sink. And a lot of people comment on that. And I want to be like, I'm paying a $400 cleaning fee. Like I'm not fucking washing dishes on vacation, dude. Yeah. yeah, No, that one's crazy. Mine's a little bit more like I'm the problem, but in yours that, that, that Airbnb with their $400 cleaning fee, if you're paying, like, if you're paying anything over a hundred dollars for a cleaning fee, you're allowed to leave dishes in the sink, period. That's what I think. Do you have another quick fire question? No, you go next. Okay, I was going to ask, post the cleaning the apartment scandal, did you think about monetizing it and launching your own cleaning spray called Cal Away? I love that. And if not, would you be up for doing that? Cal, 
Cal away, like away, like, get it away, get it away. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. The only problem with that is that I personally hate cleaning, so I'm not yes, sure no. how I would ever promote it because I personally would never use it. I would just hire someone else to use it. Like I would, or I would just live in filth. Like I really like. I hate. I there's nothing I hate more on this planet than dishes and vacuuming, and I. Oh, that that we, we that was clear, honey. Yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> no need to say that. Yeah, you're like, we know, we know. But yeah, but yeah. So I I love the idea, love the concept. I do think Callaway golf clubs might come for my fucking neck. Oh, uh, okay. But if I used it, I would absolutely. At least I use snake oil, you know. Very true. I have another okay, question. Yeah, I have a quick fire one for you, which is, what is I know, like, I will definitely get some shit on the Reddit for being compassionate and nice to you, but I'm genuinely one interested in knowing what is your sun, moon, and rising sign. I'm a oh, honey, I'm a quintuple Sagittarius. I'm Sagittarius. Are you actually sun, moon, rising, Mars, and Mercury? Did you not know? I can't believe you didn't know that. Maybe it's on me for not bringing it up. But isn't that like doesn't shit. that say everything? Okay, well, suddenly, yep. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> I personally am not sure if I believe in astrology. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I go through phases. But I feel like I, the existence of me makes other people believe in astrology. Like, (laughs) I feel like I tell them my sun, moon, rising, and they're like, okay, now I believe in astrology. Believe it. Yeah. I believe it now. (laughs) Any any more myth-busting questions? I'm sort of loving these. Well, it's a little bit of a myth-buster, but it's not really, like, no, it's actually not a MythBuster. I might have more MythBusters. Let me just like think on that while I'm talking. <laughs> so, if not, I can fail. <laughs> my my question was, you know, like you had done pre-orders for Scammer, it makes and some of it, you know, makes sense because you have to pay to publish the book, and it was like a rolling thing that went on for a long time. The book was, you know, quite late. But one thing I noticed on the Reddit was that people kept buying it and. Then, then they would be like, well, I never received my copy and blah, blah, blah. And it just, to me, I was wondering like, well, yeah, like you bought a, a book from someone who's like kind of notoriously not great at finishing things on time. Like, and it made me think like, do you think that they might want to be a, another victim of Caroline Calloway? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I, yeah. I think it's part of that, you know, finding community and hating me, like, if someone who has poor social skills wants other people to like them and engage with them and feel kinship with them, why not? Like it's been, why not order a book that's been on presale for two years and then complain it didn't arrive the week you ordered it? Like the red is the place where that passes for like totally normal social interaction. Yeah. Okay, here's a question about the Natalie essay. Did you feel like something that I can't get over, maybe it's just me, like the number one, one of the, one of the big violations in it for me was your period sheets. Mm -hmm. I did not, I was like, why, that is so like not girl code. Like it, to me, it's like, that's so not girl code. I believe she was going to be running her Airbnb, but also like, wasn't she getting a free place to kind of stay the nights that it was open? Yes, she would would get a free place to stay. But you know, I think if I recall correctly, I think she just calls the sheets dirty in her essay. Not, Not me defending Natalie. I'm pretty sure. No, she said she pulled them back and saw blood. Oh, really? 
I yeah. I thought she left that part out, but maybe that's just like a trauma memory for me. Maybe I just like was so hurt and humiliated. I just like blocked it out. Like I just like I, I disassociated. But yeah, that what's really crazy to me is that like she did such a good job of like making me feel like she was even though she grew up with like, you know, her aunt was the editor in chief of O Magazine and like she was a Nepo baby and her aunt got her her first writing job and like even for her book like arranged a lot of the like reviews like a lot of she had a lot of writing connections and on top of that her family had more money her family was more stable her little sister went to Brown like it was just her mom worked for Yale it was just like a nice happy lovely family but and I had come from this like really like my dad was clearly crazy and like I like had a lot of childhood trauma and like lived in a hoarder house and like we like didn't have my parents would have done anything for my education but beyond that there wasn't money to spare and they also had no social connections like my mom went to college in like Appalachia and my dad made not a single friend at Harvard nor did I get any legacy treatment there because I literally applied three times and was rejected or twice and I really felt like I had to like make my own way I had to like create writing jobs for myself I had to like create this demand for details about Caroline Calloway and then hire myself to fill that position but yet she made me feel like you know when I told her she could live at my house for free it was very much like yeah of course I can like when I told her she could have my apartment and then when I was like you know I'm so sorry but like the my dad just changed his mind on a whim and told me he wouldn't just pay rent, which is like, now that I think about it, it's like, why was he paying rent anyways? Like, of course I needed to Airbnb it out. But she felt so aggrieved. Aggrieved? Is that a word? She felt so aggrieved that I had, that she couldn't stay at my house for free and that like I was really a bad person for taking away this home where like I would just pay her rent and similarly like when you know I gave her 18 grand to co-write the book proposal with me for publishers and when I didn't end up writing the book it was a loss of her of 32,000 grand and to this day she makes it seem like that just should have been like her money and and it's just like bro, it's a memoir about my life and I hired you and you already got paid for your work. Like, I'm sorry, I'm changing the project, but it's my fucking project. Like, you're the employee and you're not entitled to like my money and like my life. Like, if you want to be a memoir so bad, like go write about your own fucking life. Like get your own fucking life to write about. Yeah, Uh, there was definitely like, you know, one thing that just one of my thoughts during reading that essay was like, you know, I'm sorry you felt ugly, Natalie. Like there's like, you know, I'm sorry you feel ugly. That's probably not a very good feeling. And you'd never catch me saying that out loud. I have days where I don't feel pretty, but like, I'd never be like, I feel I'm like, I'm ugly and she's hot. (laughs) Um, But you know, another thing is that like, she had all the things in life that mattered. Like she had this family, she came from a nice home. She had a support system. She, is married she was working a job and 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 i and you were very much at a deficit for a lot of those things and i just was like so like being pretty and like having sort of a magical life uh, that you've made for yourself is 
Caroline's great sin. I kind of feel like she hitched her wagon to you thinking that you were a shooting star that was about to take off. And then when it turns out that you were human and dealing with things, she got really pissed because she felt entitled to the joy ride that she wanted to get from you. And just like sort of the nerve of like then actually finally getting what she wanted and making her money off of you and then signing a million dollar deal, which Honestly, like, you know, signed, just for me, like up, Ryan Murphy, she ended up signing for just 100,000. So she didn't end up getting the 1 million because I wasn't, I didn't give her my life rights. Got it. You know, Ryan Murphy is like a different animal, like in, in just in terms of like, I think everyone knows that he creates differently and he's attracted to different stories. And that's why his shows are so inventive. But, you know, with the way that she wrote about you, like there is sort of a silent rule in Hollywood or maybe a not so silent rule. And I'm sure that this extends to the corporate world, et cetera, where I have less experience that like, you don't shit talk people you worked with. You don't, you just like, you don't, it's just, it's a really good way to make you seem untrustworthy. And I was wondering if you think that Ryan Murphy should, it would be rational for him to have a fear that Natalie could someday do to, him what she did to you you know i don't know if this is this might be me breaking this news here on this podcast but you know her her deal got canceled her deal's over with ryan murphy they they had a showrunner working on it no writer's room yet no scripts but after the vanity fair piece and somewhere around the rolling stone review which was really positive and the Washington Post and British Vogue, they shut it down. They, the showrunners working on something else now and the deal's over. I mean, she still gets to keep the money for the option, but they're not making it. And I don't want to give too much away, but I'm very excited for some meetings next month. And I'm very excited to maybe, I know Ryan Murphy's moving over to Disney and I'm very excited Maybe Ryan Murphy was worried about getting stabbed in the back because he's no longer working with her. And I'd be very interested in giving him my life rights, especially if Lena could be involved. It would just be the perfect case scenario. But that's that's a pie-in-the-sky dream. It's more likely I'll have to choose between some different options. Back when you were first going on LA meetings after all of this, you mentioned that you were meeting with an actress who might play you, who's like one of your dream actresses. Um, can I ask, was it Maud Apatow? No, but Maud is a friend and she is a dream actress. I would love for her. It, it wasn't Maud. I met Maud later, but I love Maud and she is a dream. So who who was the person that I'm, I'm not going to say. You... Okay, that's fair. I mean, you've been very transparent so far. Yeah. I'm shocked that we got the tea about the yeah, not the tea, the tea about the teapot. So, I, Tiff, I'm do you have any? I told that um, story too. I was planning on saving it for something someday, but I figure this is such a such a chronically online audience. Like, if I were going to say it, like you know, I was never going to like tell that story on NPR. You know, like this is probably the place to do it. Well, um, thank You're you, welcome. Tiff. Do you have more questions? Yeah, yeah, I do. It's it's more of a. You know, we should. Fo- uh, I don't know if you guys want to do this, but if 
depending on the reception to this episode, we could do like a rapid fire Mythbusters episode where your viewers could like ask their questions and like we could make a list. I, would, I, I think that would be a great idea. That's like my dream. <laughs> it would be I'd amazing. For it. Okay, let's, let's do a follow up. That's You guys, you heard the idea. I don't know if you're going to leave that in or leave this part in. But if you're hearing this, an idea was just born. It's called Rapid Fire Mythbusters with Caroline with Trent yeah. Lightly and Caroline Calloway. And you need to- with Merlin with, and, with, and Tiffles. With Merlin Tiffles and Caroline Calloway. You need to leave in the comments any of your questions that you missed you would like busted. And I will I'll I'll answer really as many of them as I can. Seriously, the only reason I'm not saying the actress is because like we're, we're still like would love for her to play me. Like mm-hmm. if as long yeah. as like it's not affecting my life currently, like I'll be totally honest with you guys. I think it would be I, like I have a funny feeling that I mean I think being completely transparent, I had a, a bit of a knot of anxiety in my stomach about doing this interview, Why? not because of you, because I actually find you to be really open and transparent and 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 really like personable and lovely and funny and kind. And I. I think the concern was that when we said that we were going to do it, I knew there would be a visceral reaction for people who would feel that perhaps in our treatment of treating you fairly, that we would be treating you overly favorably. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't want to do was point score with strangers on the internet at the expense of you. I didn't want to be like, well, that was such a slam dunk they did on Trend Lightly. They really held Caroline's feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. Because I, that beef is not my beef to have. It's also you know not I mean? how I like to talk to people. It's not like, how crazy. it's not how we wanted to have you here and receive you, and so I was like, I kind of went into this thinking, well, it doesn't really matter. We're damned if we do, and we're damned if we don't. Like someone's going to be upset about it, and I'm kind of like, if that's the if that's your beef, then if you have questions, that's fine. And so I think. If we do open up the audience and say what are, you know what are the things what is the what are the myths that you want busted then I think it kind of closes the loop a little bit and we've done our due diligence but I I have no in, I have no intention of roasting you for the sake of roasting no. you to get clout I think it's just really unkind you know, I, oh I think, yeah no and I don't want to get shot in the face no. no but the thing is is that you shot in the face from the internet you mean I think. No, I don't want to get shot in the face with a bullet. Oh, yeah. That's my <laughs> that's the kind of fear that I have. Yeah. Yeah. I did buy quick clot though, I so I will be able to One of the things that people yeah. have like the Reddit that they've done that's been really effective over the years is for a while there. Like I'm talking like 2019, 2020, even 2021, there were so few people. This is when the book was still on pre-orders and late. And there were so few people being nice to me that they could do a really effective job of like really bullying and like really giving any reporter, any podcaster who was anything but like rude to my face that they could really make their life hell in the comments section for a week afterwards. I'm just like, no one fucking wants that in their life. And so I think they did a really good job of like preventing not just preventing kindness, but making sure that people were really rude to me. But something that's so great about all these rave reviews is I finally feel like we've reached like an inflection point where like there's enough people genuinely liking my stuff that they just like that, that, that sort of campaign of 
being mean to the people who are kind to me. It's just, it, they're just too many people and it's not so effective anymore. So I'm sure you will get some pushback, but at least it's not as bad as it once was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we'll also acknowledge that there's some like some headier stuff that I know people will feel like we didn't touch on. I'll put a Google form in the show notes so that if you guys want to ask your questions, you can do that. There is no comment section on podcasts. Uh, okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. I, I should go. You guys figure it out. You talk okay. Bye. 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 Well, that was that. Tiff, look, I think that this is going to be something that I'm going to be thinking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. I am I do black out a little bit when I'm doing an interview. Like if I've ever done anything on TV, I have no recollection of what I said or how it went. I really think that that's the case here as well. The video element might have been mm-hmm. what tripped me up. But I'm going to be unpacking this, I think, for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing a bit of a follow-up. Definitely. But for now, I think we're probably just going to process. <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, we are interested in your feedback. If you can say something critical in a way that is kind or not, you know, you don't need to be like sucking our ass or whatever. <laughs> but if you can, if you can express yourself in a way that is something constructive. That's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, constructive and appropriate to bring to someone's doorstep that you wouldn't mind being on the receiving end of, we will absolutely do a Patreon follow-up where we answer some of our questions. And then, of course, if, you know, whenever we get Caroline back, we'll also do Mythbusters. And those are two separate things. So, yeah. One last thing. I want to be super clear about this. We did not seek out this interview. She Mm-mm. came to us. Mm-hmm. Like, she came to us. So, and of course, we're not going to turn down that opportunity. I mean, if Julia Fox DM'd us too, we'd be like, well, I mean, if Julia Fox DM'd us, I I think I'd be in a coma. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this was, I'm excited that, I was excited by the fact that she wanted to talk to us. And I hope if you guys do feel like shooting me in the face, I do have quick clot. So (laughs) you will not succeed in your, in your goal. And yeah, don't leave pigeon an orphan as well. Come on. You can't leave this little baby an orphan. My best friend, Christina, who would have taken wags, is allergic to cats. So she'll truly be out on the streets. So Tiff, I love ya. Love ya. Love ya back. Love ya hard. We did did it, baby. We did it, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. That look like a double G Every girl in here 10 But it ain't no Tennessee And you might just get some money But it ain't no guarantee Delta G's on the left Delta G's on the right And you know I stay in Texas I don't really like to fight Like we in 2013 Shawty do it for the fun Shawty moving real well I might have to wind it down Threw the money to the ceiling Now watch it hit the floor Now rag it up huh? Rack, rack, rack it up King, bag it up huh? Back, back, bag it up King, stack it up Stack, stack, stack it up She said, where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas And if I drop a pin Best believe that she on the Thought way. Thought she was important, but I moved her right about the I'm way. I'm with Delta G's tonight. Told her, baby, I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC, low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Let the tell her. Shout out Turbo Tax, tax refund. What's another? Back to quarterback at recess. No rush. And you gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT. Why your shirt orange like a pump? Mama call me as we have college. Is. I said, bless
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.